Hi, I'm Leola. I'm a sacred intimacy mentor and muse and the host of this podcast. Talk Tantra to Me introduces a playful perspective on sacred sexuality. My intention in this podcast is to integrate intimacy and spirituality, empowering you to reclaim your eroticism. It is my mission to inspire you to let go of shame, fear, and limiting beliefs to be present as your highest self in every moment. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, let's talk Tantra. Welcome to episode 35 of Talk Tantra to Me. It is such an honor to be holding space for this divine knowledge to make its way into your ears and lifestyle. Today, I'm sharing a recording of a live Q&A I did a few weeks ago on Instagram. I asked my followers across various platforms to share um, their questions about Tantra, sacred sexuality, and spiritual intimacy, and I also offered this as a space to ask for advice about relationships, love, sex, living in a high vibe, and it was so fun to hear your questions and to offer some suggestions, so I definitely intend on doing more of these live Q&As, so if you ever have a specific specific question for me, feel free to shoot me a message on Instagram or an email and I'll offer my perspective. That being said, also please note I am answering from my experience. I don't proclaim to be an expert or a certified therapist, but I am also applying years of study and personal experience with you know myself and also working with dozens and dozens of individuals to offer suggestions. So I do offer one-to-one mentorships as well. If you'd like to step into a deeper container with me to really address uh, your opportunities for growth, your uh, greatest challenges, and also your deepest desires, and if you'd like to, to go deeper with spiritual intimacy and sacred sexuality, if that does interest you, I offer a free discovery call to get a sense of your intentions and to see if we're a good fit. So please do not hesitate to shoot me an email at talktantra to me at gmail.com and we can get a call scheduled. But without further ado, let's begin with this live Q&A. So the first question I have been asked is, I cannot come unless I'm thinking about my ex. I can get aroused, but I can't actually get over the finish line unless I think about my ex or watch the sex tapes that we created. Um, it's making me, it's making it difficult for me to move on from him. Okay, so what's my advice on this question? The first thing that I would advise you to look at is what makes sex with him different? Like what about that quality or that relationship is different from your other relationships and especially your relationship with yourself? So how can you provide whatever that quality is, whether it's he made you feel really safe or he made the sex very exciting for you? What is that quality? Look at that and then figure out how can you provide that for yourself in your self-pleasure? This is really what's coming up for me in this moment because our sexual relationships start with ourself. You're only going to be able to meet your partner as deeply as you meet yourself. So in this way, um, you can also use this to manifest a new partner to think about what did I really like about this, but why also did the relationship fail? And how can I bring both of those elements into manifesting something greater than this? It's this idea often when we get out of relationships that we think, oh, I'm never going to find like that level of pleasure ever again with anyone else. And that's a lack mentality. There are so many people out in the world for you that could potentially bring you that quality plus more. How exciting is that? 
right? So it's being able to shift your perspective and also seeing that relationships are like mirrors. So the things that you liked about that relationship are actually inherently a part of who you are. And the things that weren't working are also inherently a part of who you are. So how can you infuse both of those things into, you know, your self-pleasure practice and into your future relationships? Okay, cool. So moving on, the next question was, when inviting sacred sexuality, is it appropriate to take a lover simply for practice? So without the intention of having any long-term emotional um, connection with them. So she says, I'm not looking for emotional connection, which I feel is essential for gourmet sex, but is it possible to still incorporate casual sex as a part of, you know, my overall intention towards sacred sex? So to me, absolutely, you can have casual sex in a tantric setting. To me, though, it comes down to getting clear on your intention. So to me, having the intention of having a fun, elevating workout where you're also practicing sexual techniques with someone can be an expansive, you know, intention. So your intention there is not emotional connection, but you have this other intention. And obviously going into that, you know, sexual contact with this person without any expectation. So just allowing whatever lesson needs to come through to come through naturally and organically. Okay. Um, also being very clear with your needs, preferences, and boundaries, both with yourself and with your partner. So before any sexual, you know, interaction, I really try to infuse these needs, preferences, and boundaries. So then you can get clear on creating a safe container where you know that the expectation is just to have fun and to not necessarily have this like long lasting lifetime, you know, connection. Okay. Um, the next question is, and again, if anyone has any questions about sacred sexuality, tantra, relationships, whatever, please pop it in the chat box. But I'm going off of the questions that I had posed earlier this week that you guys um, popped in to my stories. So the next question is, uh, the energy that we use to power our thoughts and actions come from food. How does this play in to spirituality and sexuality? So to me, this is my truth. Everything that we consume is an investment into our future self. So the TV that you watch, the music that you're listening to, the food that you're eating, and also the way that you're spending your time intimately. And I mean that like physically intimate, sexually intimate, but also spiritually intimate, emotionally intimate. So how are you showing up for yourself in these ways? And also how are you showing up in, you know, your relationships to others? So In this way, if you want to think about like, you know, my sexual interactions as things I'm consuming, they're an investment in my future self. It's the same way that you're going to think really hard, whether you're having a salad or you're having, you know, a burger in the same way, you're going to think really hard about, am I having a casual encounter or am I having, you know, a really deep, profound connection with someone that I feel super aligned with and it's going to help me grow right? That doesn't mean that like I never have fast food. I do, but I do it with the intention of I'm really going to enjoy this because this is a special fun treat, but it's not necessarily going to nourish me in in the long term. So the intention is more about having that experience, having that fun rather than like the long-term game, but I'm obviously not going to do that every day either. 
And that doesn't mean that sex always needs to be like super, you know, slow and objectively tantric and eye gazing and like four hours long. You can go to go into, you know, BDSM or into a quickie with intention, especially if your partner is aligned with you, especially if, you know, it's someone that you've built this like connection with over, you know, a period of time. And it's exciting to explore a new depth of pleasure by, you know, having this like quick, aggressive, fun, animalistic experience that can totally be a high vibrational sexual experience. And also having a one night stand can be too, because you're fully surrendering into your body, which is something to celebrate. So that's my perspective on, on that, that it's really all of these elements are, there's ways to put intention on them so that it's an investment in your future self. Um, have a little sip. Mm. See, I see that there's some comments, questions. Okay, one of the questions that I'm seeing pop up here is, I sometimes don't tell my friend about me being a virgin due to my own shame. What's your best advice to overcome this? Okay, really good question. Thank you for asking that. So to me, shame is really looking for external validation or external thoughts on like how you're being perceived. And the idea is that you want to come into your own and understand that your experience is valid and you're worthy of having that experience. And it makes you inherently who you are, which is something to celebrate as well. Like there can be really beautiful intentions or reasons that you have not had that sexual experience yet. And there's nothing to be ashamed of for that. And if someone is going to shame you or make fun of you or whatever for being a virgin, to me, that's a very clear indicator that it's not a good match. It's not a good energetic match. That's not a high vibrational match. The people that are going to love and support you in this space are really the, the, the type of people to invest in and the type of people to spend, to invest your time in, to invest your connection in, to have that equal energetic exchange. If they're going to shame you for that, to me, that's a very clear indicator of it's time to set a boundary with how I'm, how I'm spending my time with this person. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And to me, like, that's a really beautiful, like, sacred perspective on sexuality as well. If you have any follow-up questions on that, please feel free to, to, to type it in or to um, let me know if that resonates with you, etc. Another question I'm seeing here, does nature's freedom opens mind of society towards sex? I'm not sure exactly what that means. Does naturist freedom open mind of society towards sex? So I'm thinking you mean by naturist, like being really comfortable, being nude, you know, going out into nature in a nude setting. And does this open the mind of society towards sex? In my opinion, it does. I think that we really need to normalize sexuality, or I'm sorry, nudity. I actually think that nudity is not inherently sexual. Our bodies do so many things. Our like pure bodies without clothing, you know, Obviously, most of us, when we do go out and, and live our lives, we are wearing clothing, but we don't need our clothing to, you know, hike mountains and to write best-selling books or to dance with someone we love or to, you know, have a, a, a beautiful day. Like, that's not our clothes that are doing that. That's our bodies. And so to me, this idea that we over-sexualize our bodies is really toxic and it's also inherently putting a lot of shame on our bodies. To me, we should be able to celebrate 
our bodies as they are. And that's the first step into normalizing our bodies as well. And I also think that this is the root, this idea that like we are sexualizing bodies so much is the root to a lot of, you know, sexual harassment and sexual assault. If we saw nude bodies as, you know, inherently these powerful things that can do so much, including sex, but so much more that would really liberate us from this perspective in my opinion. Thank you, Roger, for your nice words. And thank you, Chan Chan, as well. Okay, I'm going to continue back with my list of questions that were previously submitted. So the next question is, what tantric exercises can I practice to enhance self-love and self-worth? So great question, because again, to me, our, our relationship to our sexuality and to our self-worth starts with ourself, right? We often are taught to validate externally for these things, to look for other people to give us encouragement to say, you're sexy or you are worthy of my attention, right? But if we don't believe that we deserve it, if we don't give that to ourselves first, we're going to keep seeking more externally. It's going to continue to be this almost addictive pattern to look for it right? It's the same with drugs. We are looking for this like profound, deep state, which we can access ourselves. But if we don't recognize that, we're going to look for it elsewhere. Okay. So what do I recommend for this? To me, one of the primary exercises that I would suggest would be to, um, look at self-pleasure as self-love. So, any, any element of pleasure is really loving yourself. So how can you bring more pleasure into your life on a day-to-day basis? How can you be, bring more presence into your day-to-day? So it starts with something as simple as like really being present for your food, practicing something like sensual eating. So just like smelling the food, touching it. Fruit is really good for this, but fruit just allowing you to have that full sensation to explore every element of that and knowing that you're worthy of taking the time to fully be present for that, for that piece of fruit. Um, you can also do this with the way that you move your body and dance, really being present to listen to how does my body want to move and how it feels so good to allow myself to fully express. And then bringing that into a self-pleasure practice, I think that definitely prioritizing self-pleasure, even if you have a partner taking time to really explore yourself for yourself only, to really allow yourself to, to receive and also to receive the gift of giving too. to give to yourself is deeply nourishing. Specific exercises that I would recommend would be to, you know, maybe masturbate in front of a mirror and fully like see how beautiful your body changes as you're in those states of self-pleasure. Um, also, you know, recording the practice, recording yourself, yourself self-pleasuring, and then going back and watching it in a neutral setting and just appreciating the majesty of, of the, the emotional energy moving through your body and the, the excitement of the climax and really appreciating that from a, um, from a, you know, non-sexual setting in a neutral setting, but then maybe also go back and watch it when you are masturbating. And, and how beautiful is it to see like that you could get off on yourself. That is one of the most empowering things that, that I think you can possibly do. Okay. Again, if you're welcome to pop a chat in the chat box, if you have a question about sacred sexuality, tantra, relationships, etc. Okay. Let's continue with my list here. 
Next question is, do you believe there is conscious and unconscious porn? Part two, do you use them as a part of your ritual? Flat answer, yes. I do believe that there are conscious and unconscious porn. I think that this is something that, you know, everyone needs to tune in for themselves to think about. This goes back to the question of what are you consuming? What content are you consuming? Because that's an investment in your future self. And I I personally don't watch porn anymore, um, really ever. Um, maybe once in a while I'll watch porn as a part of research. So for example, um, about a year ago I was really getting more into learning about the male prostate. And so I was searching on Pornhub prostate massage and there's really not a lot of content out there, but I did find Chris and Kate Marley and they are a real couple. And one of their, you know, kind of taglines is create love, not porn. Although it is porn, it's this really much more expansive way of looking at relating in this space. And so they had had this, you know, video about prostate massage and, and I watched it and I got some great insight. And for that, for that reason, it was research. But when I did find their content, I saw, wow, they have all of these other really conscious approaches to creating erotic content. So to Sorry, I was paused for for connection. So going back to it, I think that there is conscious porn. And for me, um, a way to look at that would be real couples, really authentic like expression and love, and also independent people. So there's lots of porn companies that are creating all of these layers and storylines that are really a performance and they're not so authentic. Um, which is fine. Like it's totally fine to get off on stepbrother, mom, you know gangbang, whatever it is. I think that there's a time and a place for that. I have no, you know, shame. I know that that's something that for me has turned me on in the past. But again, like how can you come at that with a conscious perspective as a way to go deeper into the human experience to see the full range of pleasure, right? So the examples of conscious porn that I would give, I love Chris and Kate Marley. I actually interviewed Kate Marley for my podcast. I forgot the exact episode number, but the title is something like creating conscious porn and it's with Kate Marley. And I'll be having Chris Marley on the podcast shortly as well. Uh, another content creator that I would highly recommend would be um, Erica Lust. Erica Lust creates beautiful storylines that are super artistic. And when I do engage in this content, she is one of the, 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 um, the creators that I will purposely seek out with intention. And the last thing that I would recommend is OnlyFans. There are a lot of really beautiful people on there creating super authentic, real content, and then the money's going directly to them rather than through all these funnels that it typically goes through, you know, in the traditional um, erotic content space. So those would be my recommendations. At the same time, no shame on watching any level of porn. I will say for my own example, I used to watch a ton of porn. especially in my teens and early 20s. Um, Lots of really intense things too, like public, you know, degradation, lots of BDSM. Um, And to me, I realized as I started my healing journey, especially using Tantra, I realized that I was using these platforms as or these themes as a way to relive my sexual trauma I kept subjecting myself to things that made me feel shame and guilt to the point that it became so painful that I had to heal I had to go on my healing journey and when I did which was with Tantra about seven years ago 
I, I couldn't watch porn at all. Anytime I would watch anything, I would bawl my eyes out because it would trigger me so bad because I was in such a deep healing state. On the other side of that, now I can go back and watch these things if I really want to with intention to say that I'm, I'm using this as an experience to go deep within, to see what, is there anything else in this space that needs exploring? Is there a way that I can surrender to my human experience deeper, especially with BDSM? It's the same thing. I actively couldn't have my partner tie me up when I was in those states of healing because it was so triggering. But now that I'm on the other side, I feel fully able to explore that side of myself. I love exploring that. It's not the only part of my practice. I don't need it to get off, but it can be really fun. And I also am able to switch the roles now. Now I feel like I can be more dominant. And that's another way for me to consciously use BDSM like consciously it's conscious kink. And there's also an episode of my podcast with Lena Dunn, Lena Dune, Lena Dune, who is um, at to ask a sub on Instagram, highly recommend her content. And we talk about the overlap of Tantra and conscious kink. And I highly recommend that episode. And I go into much more detail about these topics in that one. Okay. Again, if you have any questions, you're welcome to pop them into the chat box below. Next question I have from earlier this week. Can you explain the types of ways women deplete their sexual energy? Does squirting do this? Okay, so there are so many different perspectives on how we use and move our sexual energy in the tantric space. So many different perspectives, and I have my own perspective. I'm going to share that now. However, I highly recommend that you look at all of the different lineages and you figure out what makes most sense for you. My opinion is that sexual energy is a flow. There's, it's, it's like water. So it's always flowing. It's always going. And if you try to hold on to that energy, that is coming from a lack mentality. It's believing that we don't have enough of this, you know, sexual energy that's going to run out. And in some ways, it's, it's definitely one of those situations where, you know, often we can only have so much sex before we're like, oh, I need to sleep. Now I need to rest. However, that doesn't mean that the next day you're not going to have more sexual energy and be really excited. And in some ways, by starting that flow, even though you take a break and then you come back to it, more is going to come. So in my opinion, you don't lose sexual energy. It's always going to be flowing. However, you can use intention to flow it in a specific way. And that's really what Tantra is about. How are you using this energy? Are you just letting it gush, 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 go everywhere, everywhere, everywhere? And you're masturbating all the time and you're having all these, you know, sexual experiences. Great. But what's your intention with that? Is it quality or is it quantity? You know? Um, so to me, I don't, I don't believe that women can deplete their sexual energy. In fact, I think that women's sexual energy has been so historically repressed that by engaging more, that helps them get warmed up. But I do think that it's most important for women to do a lot of self-pleasure to figure out what works for them and what's going to be the most intentional and conscious way to use their sexual energy. I think specifically when it comes to squirting, this is one of the most cathartic and healing experiences that a woman can have. I do believe that most, if not all women can squirt. I used to be one of those people that thought squirting was pee. It is not having experienced it um, to me. And, and having read a lot about this subject, when a woman squirts, it's it's typically from G-spot um, penetration, and the G-spot is about two inches in into the uh, the vaginal canal. It's kind of a spongy, um, like 
gland that's on the upper part of the vagina. And this tends to be where a lot of women hold emotional trauma. Um, so I know every time I squirt, I'm not only like, you know, liquid is coming out of my, you know, urethra. It's also coming out of my eyes. I start really crying because it can be a very healing experience to release a lot of that sexual trauma that's in that space or a lot of that emotion that's been lodged there. So to me, this is, it's one of those things as well, understanding the the different ways that female and masculine um, sexual energy works. So with men, their whole thing is they have so much going all the time. They're constantly thinking about sex, right? So the idea is that they actually have to learn how to um, control that sexual energy and, and harness it. And then that's when they can start to have, you know, be multi-orgasmic as a man or to have non-ejaculatory orgasms as a man or to just um, move the energy through their bodies multiple times before having that ejaculation, right? Whereas for women, we're so holding on and we're so tight and we're so afraid to um, surrender to, and we have to feel really safe to fully open up as our sexual goddesses, which is why it's so important as a, as you know, a man or as a, as someone that's in the giving role in the masculine energy in a sexual situation, it's so important for them to tap into how do I allow this woman to feel fully safe to surrender to me sexually because when you can do that your goddess will enliven in front of you and that's when you start to have transcendental experiences so with women we really need to feel safe so it's about this idea of like how can i let go how can i let go and even to squirt it's like you have to feel really safe to do this to let go in this way um, and I've really only had, you know, two partners that were able to hold space for me in that way. And really only one of them to do it, you know, consistently. Um, so again, coming back to this idea that for women sexually, it's about letting go, feeling safe to let go of that sexual energy and let, allow it to flow. Whereas for men, it's about harnessing and bringing it in and channeling it to create that container. Feel free to ask any follow-up questions in the chat. I'm seeing right now that there's not anything new there. So I'm going to continue to follow the list of questions that were previously sent in. So the next question, have a sip of water. How do you relate to your triggers? Love this question. Um, Triggers are inevitable, right? And to me, a trigger is an opportunity for self-remembrance. So when you're triggered, when someone does or says something that puts you off and you're like, oh, no, how dare they do something like that, that I'm triggered. To me, you are, if, if you have that sort of reaction, which is normal, it's totally normal. The idea is that then you're not taking responsibility for that trigger. And that trigger, again, is an opportunity to go deeper within yourself, to ask yourself, why does this bother me? What about this is telling me that there's a, something inside of me that, that has an opportunity to learn and to grow, right? It's an, it's an initiation into yourself. So an example would be, um, I once had this guy that um, we had been dating for about a month and things were starting to get deeper. You know, we're, we're starting to, uh, to approach those 
challenging topics that are really vulnerable. And he had specifically asked me about um, a sexual assault or experience that I had that I had had years ago. And this is, again, one of those reasons why it's really important for, for us to help women feel safe sexually, because I don't know a single woman that doesn't have, you know, some sort of sexual harassment at the base level. But a lot of women have some level of um, sexual assault as well. And, and so I was explaining, it's really, really important for me to feel safe, especially because of what had happened to me. And he was like, well, what happened? Da, 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 da. So I told him what happened. And then he stopped talking to me. Guys, he ghosted me. And this was super traumatic because I obviously was so vulnerable. I opened up this story that was really hard for me to share. And then to just have communication cut off was really upsetting, very, very triggering. And to me, I'm thinking it brings me right back to because I was sexually assaulted, I'm not worthy of love. Because I was sexually assaulted, I am damaged as a person. Obviously, these things are not true, but this is the narrative that society often, you know, perpetuates and that, you know, our ancestors have perpetuated. We're at a point now where that's really shifting, which is beautiful, but it still is really hard to overcome this. So for me, when I was ghosted, I could have been like, how dare he? How dare this guy do this? And in some ways, I'm, you know, that part of me is correct. I have full reason to be upset about this. That's okay. At the same time, I can also say, I'm really upset about this. What does this say about me? What does this say about my belief around my worth? To me, it set this trigger that showed me I don't, I don't, if, if I think that he thinks that I'm not worthy of love because of my sexual harassment or sexual assault, then there's a part of me that doesn't believe that. So I had the opportunity to like celebrate myself and say, no, this opportunity, this sexual assault taught me so much. It really did. It allowed me to step into this world where I'm able to help other people process their assault, which is super powerful. So in that way, trauma or triggers become your superpower. It becomes your way to help others, to inspire and to grow and to figure out how you're relating to yourself. So in that way, to me, triggers, again, are an opportunity for self-remembrance. It's an, it's an initiation deeper into your subconscious because a lot of these patterns, I, this pattern of not feeling like I was worthy was operating 24-7 in my subconscious, below my awareness. So it took me being triggered to realize that. In that way, it's, it was a gift, okay? Hope that answers your question. Again, feel free to type in a follow-up in the comments below. Okay, so the next question is, my wife loves when I go down on her, oral sex, but she finishes so early and gets too sensitive down there afterwards. What to do? Love this question. So this is super common. Same for me. Um, you know, sometimes I'm multi-orgasmic multi and after I orgasm, I can go again and again and again. But there are other parts of my cycle where I'm just like, whoa, that was enough. I'm feeling very sensitive. I can't keep going. So the the best way to navigate this is super tantric in the practice of edging. So it's learning to, first of all, not approach the yoni first. 
to bring pleasure into other parts of her body, into her feet, into the crook of her elbow, into her ear, into her face, and to allow that pleasure to build and then begin to have the sexual interaction. And then when you start to approach her yoni, doing so very slowly and very lightly, and maybe doing some caressing and some tasting and then stopping, and then doing something else that's maybe focused on you know the partner's pleasure. So maybe doing something with the lingam and then coming back to the yoni and then maybe having some penetrative sex and then coming back to the yoni. And so then you're building the pleasure. You're building it up. So by, you know, you know, 20 minutes in, 30 minutes in, the, the energy is so heightened and she's just on the edge. And that's the most, that's the most juicy part of any sexual experience to me. I think that many people can resonate. It's actually the moment just before peak orgasm when it's the most, most enlightening, the most connective. And in that way, how can you hold on to that space as long as possible? So to me, the way to do that with a woman is to tease her, is to play, is to go back and forth between yoni, you know, stimulation and, you know, other stimulation and just stimulating yourself. Hope that answers that question for you. Okay, next question. Um, tips on how to masturbate together when one isn't feeling physically sexual. I feel this. I feel this. So the first thing that I would say is let go of expectation. It's totally normal for one partner to be like really into wanting to have sex and the other partner not to be. That's okay. It's totally normal. Um, I would say one thing to do would be just, this came from a woman. This came from a woman who's in a um, heterosexual partnership with a man. I know this, I know this girl. So I'm going to answer it in terms of that. But I think that this can apply um, in all types of partnerships. But I'm going to speak about it in, in this like, you know, cis, you know, straight male, female relationship context. So, and, and she's saying from her perspective, she's not always into it, but her partner is. My suggestion would be both of you get completely naked, take some rest together, maybe do some massage and then check in and see, am I still not feeling sexual or am I? If not, that's okay. If he's still feeling sexually, you know, active and you're like, well, I'm relaxed. I had my massage. Maybe you just lay there naked with your legs spread open so he can see the beauty of your yoni. And then maybe he's masturbating, just gazing into the yoni. And this is a really powerful practice just to gaze into and worship this as like this, you know, temple. And that's really what it is. Yoni actually means temple or sacred space. So just it's that idea that every time you go to church, you don't have to have this insane connection to God. You can just go in and pray. And that's what it is. Just you holding that space, holding your yoni open for him to enjoy, to watch and to self-pleasure. And even the act of just like having some, I know for myself, there's been times where I'm like, I don't really want to have sex, but you can like look at me while you masturbate. And they do that. And just the idea of someone masturbating to my yoni is so exciting that then I start to get into it as well. Not always though. And so going into it without that expectation, but even just holding space for them to masturbate while you, you know, display yourself can be super powerful. So that is what I would recommend for that question. Okay. I just have a couple more questions here. Um, but again, if you're listening now and you have any questions about sacred sexuality, relationships, tantra, spirituality, my personal life, if, you know, some things are off limits, obviously, but feel free to, to pop those in the chat box and I'm happy to answer them. But I'm going to go ahead and continue with this list that I have here. 
So the next question is, um, how do you introduce Tantra to a new partner? This is a super common question. This came up in the last Q&A as well. Um, to me, the it, it depends on what stage of the relationship you're in. Um, if it's a new partner, I think that go right into it and really like I, I, I always tell people that I recommend that you with new partners, you go through your needs, preferences and boundaries before a first sexual experience point blank. So again, like needs would be things like I need you to respect me. I need you to wear a condom. I need, you know, whatever. So it's must haves, must haves, or I need you to warm me up for 15 minutes before any penetration. Great ideas. Preference would be, you know, oh, I really like, you know, aggressive, dominant energy, or I really like, and again, preferences. These are things that you really would like to have, but it's, 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 there's flexibility there. So you could also say, I really like missionary position. I really like doggy style. I really like being tied up. I really like to have slow, soft sex. And it's also understanding, especially with a new partner to say, this will evolve. Like this will evolve over time. Needs, preferences, and boundaries always evolve over time. It's not a big deal, especially as you become more comfortable with someone and as, as, as you explore deeper within yourself as well. Last one is boundary. So boundary would be like, don't touch my ass <laughs> or, you know, don't try anal penetration with me. Um, another boundary would be, um, let's see, uh, don't grab my neck, things like this. It's absolutely do not do this non-negotiable, right? So when we talk about our needs, preferences, and boundaries, we're able to also explore things like, I have a preference of Tantra. Would you like to hear more about Tantra? So that's a great way to to introduce Tantra. Um, another good way would be to say, oh, I know how to do a Tantric massage. Would you like to hear more about that? And you can research about Tantra massage. I also have a podcast episode coming out next week with Tantra Love Coach, at Tantra Love Coach. And we talk a lot about Tantra massage in that episode. Um, so you can give them a massage. Everyone loves a massage. Like what a great way to introduce Tantra. Another great way would be to um, look and see if there are any workshops in your area. So actually one of my first dates I had with this guy who I deeply love um, and appreciate, uh, it was when I was living in South Africa and it was uh, the guy that I was dating at the time there when we first met. Um, he asked me on a date and I was like, actually, I'm busy. I'm going to a Tantra workshop tonight. And he was like, can I come? And, and that was actually our first date was going to a Tantra workshop together. So super fun, super sexy way to, to start a relationship or to say with a partner that you've had for a while, I found this workshop and I'm kind of into it. Do you want to, you want to go together and just see what it's about? Just having this opportunity to go in without expectations, to look at it very playfully and as an exploration, because that's really what sex is. Sex is, you know, sacred playtime. It's ways to explore our bodies, which is really fun. Okay, um, and, and then the last thing I would recommend for introducing Tantra to a new partner um, or to, you know, an existing partner, especially an existing partner, I think that another thing to think about is um, enlisting a professional, talking to someone like me and doing, you know, a coaching program where you do a set of calls with, you know, a professional and they kind of help you unpack any shame or guilt or fear around your sexuality while also offering, you know, practices that allow deep intimacy to open up with vulnerability and authenticity within your partnership. And, you know, again, that's something that I do, but I'd also be happy to, you know, introduce other people in, in this space that offer these kinds of, um, offerings. So, 
Um, next question. Thank you, Negative Influence, for loving my earrings. These are actually from um, at local foreign. They have really fun jewelry, and they also have, like, little decorative. I don't have it in here, but I have – oh, they have these bigger, like, really big, and you can hang them on your wall. So I have one of those in my bedroom as well. Uh, anyways, any other questions, feel free to, to type them in. I'm not seeing any questions, any other questions on here. So I'm going to continue. Last question that I have from earlier this week is, what prompted you to create your podcast? Love this question because I love – talk tantra to me. I love this space that I've created and I deeply appreciate everyone who listens, everyone who asks questions. I think that this is such an open-minded space to, um, explore and to let go of shame and fear around discussing sexuality, which to me, if you have a fear of something, that's really an opportunity to learn. And that's really exciting. So anyways, um, why did I create this? So I had been practicing Tantra again for about seven years. And when I started, it was really a personal practice and it, it remained a very personal practice for a long time. I would slowly introduce it into my partnerships, um, doing things like Tantric massage with, you know, new partners, doing different, you know, communication exercises, things like that. But it was mostly for myself. And as my life really started to change, because that's what's hap- what happens when you work with your sexuality, your sexuality is related to every aspect of your life because it's your life force energy. This is the energy that created me. It's the energy that created you. You know, it's the energy that creates, you know, plants that make fibers, that create clothing. It creates the food that we eat. So understanding that the sexual energy is a part of like, every aspect of our being is integral in this. So I kind of just went off on like a whole other tangent that's not related to the question. Well, let me circle that back. So um, when you understand this, then it starts to like touch your business. It starts to touch your friendships. It starts to touch, you know, your hat, like where you're living and, and your, your frequencies of abundance. So my life really started to just become like really insanely beautiful. And people would ask me, what are you doing? How did you discover this? And I'd say, it's Tantra. (laughs) And so with that, I started doing more one-on-ones and working with more people. And, but I kept, I kept this like very on the DL. I, and, and this related to a lot of my own fear around how people would perceive me knowing, you know, the, the perceptions that the Western world has around Tantra. Tantra is highly sexualized. And that's not to say that sexuality isn't a part of the practice. However, it's a tool in the toolbox. It's not, you know, the whole thing, right? And so as I started to continue to do this work, I started to really unpack that and realize like, wow, what does that say about me that I'm withholding this information out of fear of how people will perceive me, even though it changed my life so drastically? And so at that time, I realized like I was getting this call of like, you need to share this. It is your duty. It is your duty to share this information to help other people. And that happened last fall, this kind of awakening, this awareness. And that's when I started the podcast and that's why. And I'm really grateful that I, I did the, the, you know, my, my intention was to change one person's life, to help one person. And the amount of people that have come forward and said, like, I'm loving this, like, thank you so much for creating this space has been super rewarding. And in that token, like, I encourage you guys to do the same with whatever, you know, you're afraid of sharing out of fear of how you'll be judged take the leap. It's worth it. You know, I definitely have haters. I definitely have people that are triggered by my content. I knew that going in, but that small number 
is so outweighed by the positive, you know, impact that I'm making that it really doesn't matter to me. And at the same time, I'm also like, I'm glad I'm triggering you. I'm planting a seed in their subconscious that there's a going back to the question that we had earlier. This is an opportunity for them to dig deeper. And sometimes it takes, you know, time for that seed to germinate and for them to, to, to think about these things. But I, I know that that is part of my role. Okay, I'm seeing a question in the comments. Again, if you have any questions, feel free to type them in. So someone said, my partner wouldn't be into it if she were not also feeling sexually turned on. And I think that this is relating to the question that was, um, what do I do? Uh, Let me find the question again. Do, 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 do. I can't find it. The question was basically about like masturbating with your partner when you're not feeling sexually aroused. And to me, that's okay. She doesn't need to be turned on for you to be turned on and for you to enjoy your, you know, sexual experience. That's okay. It's totally fine. She could also just enjoy the image of you being turned on and not be turned on herself. It doesn't really matter in my opinion in that regard. Um, let's see. Yeah, a lot of a lot of um a lot of backlash on that response. I feel like most girls would not, absolutely not be into that at all. I think that this could also be have to do with this idea that women have so much shame around their bodies because that's something that we've, you know, been taught that, you know, vaginas smell or, you know, vaginas are dirty, they bleed, all of these things. So that could also go back to this idea of, you know, yoni worship. Nothing is sexier to me than this idea of, you know, having someone like look into me into that space, the sacred temple of the yoni and say, this is beautiful to describe like, wow, like your yoni looks like a piece of fruit or a flower. And I see that there's this, it's moistening here and it's getting juicy and, and, or I like the way that the folds are, are falling, you know, look like the sheets of the bed and it's, it's, it's beautiful. And again, that, that doesn't have to turn her on, but it could really awaken this deep, profound love within herself while you're also turned on. And that's something that you can have that open communication and dialogue and also say, can we just try this? Again, it's play. It's a game. Go into it without expectation. She might not like it. That's fine. But why not try? You're always, you're never going to like any, it's, it's that same quote that everyone uses. That's like, you're going to, you know, miss every shot you don't take. So why not just try it and see? That would be my suggestion in that space. Okay, let's see if there's anything else. Let's see. I'm not seeing any more. Oh, here's one. I've heard some from both sides. How much do you think commitment matters in sex? Is a strong relationship or marriage needed or useful or useless? Are one night stands totally okay? Totally goes back to intention for me on this question. Um, So talking about commitment. So let's talk about like, monogamy and having open relationships. So both of them can be done in a tantric space, depending on your intention, right? So, and and to me, the idea is that you have an expansive intention. And to me, an expansive intention is one in which you're getting to know yourself and the other on a deeper level. And in that way, because we are all reflections of the universe and so is everyone else, you're getting to know the universe on a deeper level as well. So how can this take shape in monogamy? In monogamy, this intention could say, 
I'm creating a sacred container with my partner. In this partnership, it allows me the safety to fully surrender, to experience the depths of my sexuality and my humanity in this container. That is a totally expansive intention. Let's flip it though. How could that intention be expansive in a open relationship? So in an open relationship, the, um, the intention might be something like, uh, having an open relationship allows me the freedom to explore all of these different people and to explore my own sexuality with so many different mirrors, which again, allows me to explore the depths of my humanity with a different tool, with a different perspective. So those both work. However, there's a limiting and fear-based intention for both of these. So the fear-based intention of monogamy would be, I'm afraid that my partner is going to fall in love with someone else and leave me. Not expansive. Do you see the difference between the expansive intention of using it as a sacred container to explore the depths or being afraid of, you know, the alternative, right? And then with, you know, having an open relationship, the fear-based, you know, intention would be, I'm afraid of commitment. I'm afraid to go really deep with someone to see the depths of who I am. So I'm going to look for it everywhere else and not commit to going deep because I don't want to touch those emotions. Does that make sense? Anyone have any questions on that? Um, oh, I think, Galvin, I think I went back and answered that from the uh, perspective that you just added. Um, if anyone else has any other questions, please type them in to the chat box. Um, Amon Anantomanagral? <laughs> Sorry, I probably butchered that. You said, please also create a YouTube channel. I do. I have a YouTube, tan- YouTube channel. It's linked in my bio. So please check that out. I tried to do a YouTube live right now and I don't think that it worked. Still learning all this technology stuff. So, whoops. Um, let's see. Where did you learn all of this? Someone asked. Okay, so I've been studying Tantra for seven years. I also believe that it's something and I've been told by, you know, channels and psychics that I've been doing this for many lifetimes and I've been doing it on other planets. <laughs> Take that or leave it. If that resonates with your highest truth, great. If it doesn't, not a big deal. But in this life experience, so my my study started just with myself, reading lots of books, doing lots of workshops, lots of day workshops, lots of weekend retreats, things like that. Um, you know, consulting with partners, consulting with people in the field. Beyond that, I have, you know, done some longer, you know, uh, apprenticeships sort of with people in this space. Um which has been super fruitful. I've also done a month long tantric uh, and shamanic training in Ecuador with the uh, Durga's Tiger School. Durga is a tantric goddess. Um, and on top of that, I'm always learning. I'm always doing more. I've already, you know, signed up for, you know, another, you know, training opportunity and retreat in Egypt for later this year. Um, I'm always reading new books on, you know, sacred sexuality and, and expansion and relationships. I also see my relationship with myself and with my partner as, you know, learning opportunities. So it's definitely something that's, it's always a journey and yeah. 
Okay, someone had asked, how do you remove the fear for open relationship dynamic currently in the process of opening my relationship? So I would say the first thing would to do would be to embrace the fear, to recognize that the fear has been there to serve you at one time or another or at some point in your lineage, to see that that, like, that fear of being left allowed you to survive or has allowed you know our, our, our humanity to evolve, right? So it's this idea that you know way back when, when women had these children, they were at home and they were cooking and cleaning, they needed someone to come back and provide, right? So seeing that and celebrating that like, wow, this, this pattern or this belief helped me or my lineage survive. Honoring that fully is the key because oftentimes we just want to fix it or get rid of it, but you have to celebrate that and say, thank you for that first. Then I would say touching in with yourself, but this no longer serves me. Thank you. This helped me survive, but the same patterns that helped me survive no longer help me thrive. And that doesn't mean that like magically the fear goes away. It doesn't mean that, you know, magically you're just able to fully surrender into this experience. There's going to be moments where you question and you aren't sure. And I think that that's also something to set the intention with your partner to constantly be, have create consciously create times to check in on this, like put it in the calendar. Like we are assessing the, the, the current state of our relationship and it's, and it's level of openness and having that safe space to share. I was really, um, struggling with the idea that you went on a date with this person and allowing them to feel you and to, and to hold space for that is often enough to allow that to kind of dissipate, to know that they're always going to come back to you. And again, that comes back to there's so many different ways that, you know, open relating is evolved. Um, it sounds like you have a primary partner so that, that, that this applies to that situation. But if you don't have a primary partner, I think that the idea would be to always have those open lines of communication and dialogue with each of your partners. And every time you, you open up a new door before any sexual interaction, you say, these are my needs, preferences, and boundaries. This is the way that I'm able to show up, you know, in intimacy, emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, sexual intimacy, spiritual intimacy, intimacy to get very clear so that there's not any expectations that are being projected from either partner. Does that make sense? Another question. How do I know if I'm trying to avoid those deeper emotions or if this aligns with my higher truth? That's a really good question. I think that this is one of those things that you have to really touch in with your intuition. And so often our intuition gives us signs. And we, and sometimes we say like, oh, it's my intuition and I'm afraid of this. And sometimes it's, it's actually not that. And that's something that you have to touch in with yourself to figure out. Is this feeling coming from love and trust or is it coming from fear? Does that make sense? I actually wrote about this the other day and I kind of want to see if I can pull it up quickly. So let's see. I think here we are. Here we are. Okay, so often in modalities and integration activities, the things that we are most resistant to end up being that which um, is the most transformative. So understanding that if you're resistant to something, if there's a fear there, there might be some really transformative stuff in there. It is our ego that can smell its death around the corner in these moments, which keeps us from going to the profound depths where real expansion happens. Ego holds on to things, but to expand, you must surrender. When you believe your intuition is telling you to do something or not to do something, then ask yourself, sorry, ask yourself, am I holding on or am I surrendering? If you are surrendering, then ask yourself, is this truly a safe place to surrender? 
If not, ask yourself what you need to feel safe to surrender to this experience, to this person, to this environment. So that wraps up the live Q&A. I want to express my gratitude to the listeners. Thank you once more for opening yourself up to the idea of sacred sexuality. Also, thank you to all of those that went ahead and submitted a question. I really appreciate your vulnerability and authenticity. And I want to encourage anyone that's listening now to this replay, please do not hesitate to reach out. I really believe that it is my purpose to offer suggestions and um, advice in this space. Obviously, also encouraging you to touch in with your highest truth. I recognize myself as the mirror and the muse for you as well as the mentor. So I would be happy to, to hold that space for you if you'd like. That being said, if this podcast resonates with you, I'd love to hear it in the reviews. It means the world to me to hear your perspective and your reviews also help this podcast become a bit more relevant in search results, which means that more people are able to benefit from the wisdom of spiritual intimacy. And if you'd like to take an even more proactive role in awakening the collective to sacred sexuality, I'd love it if you screenshotted this podcast episode and shared it on your social media. And if you do so, please tag me so that I can thank you personally. With so much gratitude and love, have a sexy and spiritual day, and I'll catch you next week on Talk Talter to Me. Ta-ta!